Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me tonight to the book of Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. And uh, we want to talk about excuses tonight. I remember uh, years ago there was a gospel song came out uh, called Excuses. Uh, and uh, one of the lines there said something to the, to the effect of why he didn't even shake my hand. Uh, talking about the pastor and they weren't going to come to church no more because the pastor didn't shake their hand. Uh, boy, we're good at making excuses, aren't we? Amen. Yes, we are. But uh, I want to talk about excuses a little bit tonight. And hopefully the, the Holy Spirit will take control here and accomplish what he wants to accomplish here tonight. Exodus chapter 3 and verse number 10. Some are already standing. If you would stand with them and uh, reverence to God's word. I'm going to read one verse tonight. Verse number 10. Exodus chapter 3. And verse number 10. The Bible says, Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Let's pray. Father, again we thank you for allowing us to be here in this place tonight. Thank you for the wonderful time of fellowship that we've already enjoyed together. What a blessing it is to come together as a church family and just fellowship with one another, to encourage one another, to be encouraged. And Father, thank you for everyone who's here tonight. Thank you for all those who are tuned in by way of live stream. Father, thank you for the good singing that we've been able to share together and worshiping you. And Father, you're just so wonderful. And just want to thank you tonight for loving us and for being so good to us and allowing us to be here in this place to have this meeting and now, Father, we've come to that time in the service where we open your word and desire to hear from you and learn of you. Father, I don't want these precious people before me tonight to hear me. I want them to hear you. And so, Holy Spirit, the best way I know how, I yield all of me to you just now. I pray that you would take complete control, that you would deliver the message through me, and that you would accomplish in this meeting tonight exactly what you want to accomplish. We give it to you and trust you to have your will and your way. Holy Spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, Exodus chapter 3 and verse number 10. Again, the Bible says, Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And of course, uh, in this verse, God is speaking to Moses. And if you go back to chapter number 2, you'll uh, read about Moses there, uh, his birth, and uh, how he was discovered by Pharaoh's daughter there in the Nile River. And uh, she took him in as her, as her son and uh, raised him up in the palace there for 40 years. And then we read about, uh, you continue forward, we read about uh, the occasion where uh, Moses went out one day and he saw an Egyptian soldier smiting a Hebrew. And uh, he didn't like that. It upset him. And he got involved, and he got so involved, in fact, he killed the Egyptian soldier. And then the next day, he was out about, and uh, he had buried the, the Egyptian soldier in the sand there, and uh, hid what he had done. And the next day, he's out and about, and he sees a couple of Hebrews, uh, a couple of his fellow Hebrews, quarreling with one another. And again, he tries to get involved, and Say, hey, you shouldn't be doing this. And he's focusing his attention on the man that's at fault causing the strife. 
And the man responds to him and says, okay, so are you going to do the same thing to me that you did to the Egyptian yesterday? You're going to kill me like you did him? And Moses knew that it was time to get out of Egypt. And so he fled for his life to the desert of Midian. And so for some 40 years, he was there in the desert. And uh, in chapter number 3, beginning in verse number 1, the Bible says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And so when we get to chapter number 3, we find that now 40 years have passed in the desert. And here's Moses uh, on the backside of this desert now taking care of his father-in-law's uh, flocks. And something incredible happened to him as you read through chapter 3. Uh, he's walking along, minding his own business, and all of a sudden a bush catches on fire. But something interesting about that bush is it doesn't burn up. It's not consumed. It just keeps burning. And so Moses gets a little bit closer and, uh, to, to see what's going on. And God speaks to him from that burning bush and instructs Moses to take his shoes off because God said this is holy ground. And so here now is Moses standing on the backside of the desert by a bush that's burning with his shoes off. And God is speaking to him. And then when you get down to verse number 10, God gives Moses instruction. And he says, Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now, I can imagine Moses took a real hard swallow and swallowed his Adam's apple. Because the last time he was in Egypt, 40 years earlier, he was running for his life. Um, he knew that the people in Egypt were not going to receive him well. At least that's what he thought. And so he was scared that he was going to uh, lose his life if he went back there. I'm sure that went through his mind. But God gave him this instruction. God had a plan. Uh, God had a mission for Moses. But I want you to notice with me that Moses began to make excuses. After God gave him this instruction in verse number 10... Notice in verse number 11, the response of Moses. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? In other words, Moses said, I'm a nobody. Lord, you got the wrong guy. Uh, I'm not the guy. I'm just a nobody. I, I'm, not the one, I'm not the one that's going to fit for this mission. And uh, God's response in verse 12 and he said, certainly I will be with thee. And this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth a people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. So Moses said, I'm nobody. You got the wrong guy. You get somebody else. This is not going to work. Uh, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just not qualified for this. Verse 12, God says, I will be with thee. And I think of what I heard years ago, the phrase, God in one is a majority. Uh, as long as God is with me, uh, I don't have to fear. Amen? Amen. If God is with me, everything's going to be all right. And uh, God assured Moses that he would be with him. But Moses continues to make excuses. All right? So verse number 13, Moses again here making excuse. And he says, uh, verse 13, And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come into the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? 
In other words, he's saying, Lord, I'm telling you, you got the wrong guy. I mean, I'm a nobody and I'm ignorant. I'm not going to be able to answer their questions. And I just, I just don't think this is going to work. Well, let's look at God's response beginning in verse number 14. And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. And God said moreover unto Moses, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say unto them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, appeared unto me, saying, I have surely visited you and seen that which is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt, under the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites unto a land flowing with milk and honey. And they shall hearken to thy voice and thou shalt come, thou and the elders of Israel, unto the king of Egypt and ye shall say unto him, The Lord God of the Hebrews hath met with us and now let us go. We beseech thee three days' journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. And I'm sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go, no, not by a mighty hand. And I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst thereof. And after that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall come to pass that when ye go, ye shall not go empty, but every woman shall borrow of her neighbor and of her that sojourneth in her house, jewels of silver, silver, jewels of gold and raiment, and ye shall put them upon your sons and upon your daughters, and ye shall spoil the Egyptians. In other words, God wasn't accepting the excuse that Moses was offering here. God was saying to Moses, Moses, go. I've got a job for you to do. Go. I'm in control. Everything's going to be all right. I'm going to be with you. I am that I am. I've got, I've got this. Everything's going to be fine. And then we see also in uh, chapter 4, Moses offering up another excuse. Beginning in verse number 1. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice. For they will say, the Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And so now Moses is saying, they're not going to believe me. Okay? I'm a nobody. Uh, you got the wrong guy. Um, I'm ignorant. I'm not going to be able to answer their questions. And Lord, they're not going to believe me. And God's response, beginning in verse number 2. And the Lord said unto him, what is that in thine hand? And he said, a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground. And it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. And the Lord said unto Moses, Put forth thine hand and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath appeared unto thee. And the Lord said furthermore unto him, Put now thine hand into thy bosom. And he put his hand into his bosom. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous as snow. And he said, put thine hand into thy bosom again. And he put his hand into his bosom again and plucked it, plucked it out of his bosom. And behold, it was turned again as his other flesh. 
And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign, that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe also these two signs, neither hearken unto thy voice, that thou shalt take the water of the river, and pour it upon the dry land, and the water which thou takest out of the river shall become blood upon the dry land. And so Moses offers up another excuse here. Uh, he says, Lord, they're not going to believe me. And uh, the Lord says, Moses, I want you to go. Everything is going to be all right. Uh, chapter 4, verse number 10, we see Moses offering up another excuse. He says, And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. So now Moses comes up with a good one. He says, Lord, I, I can't talk good. I'm, just, I'm not good at talking to people. I'm just, I just have a hard time with that. And Lord, you got the wrong person. I, I, I can't do that. Well, here's God's response beginning in verse 11. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb or deaf or the seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go and I will be with thy mouth and teach thee what thou shalt say. So God wasn't having any of it again. Moses was uh, continuing to give excuses, but God uh, wasn't uh, going to have any of it. And then chapter number th or verse number 13, we see another excuse. We, we, we hear another protest, really, verse number 13. And he said, O oh my Lord, send I pray thee by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. In other words, he said, Lord, I don't want to do this. Send somebody else. I mean, he offers all these excuses, and then finally he says, Lord, send somebody else. Now look at God's response in verse, beginning of verse 14. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee, and when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. And thou shalt speak unto him, and put words in his mouth, and I will be with thy mouth... And with his mouth, and will teach you what ye shall do. And he shall be thy spokesman unto the people. And he shall be, even he shall be to thee instead of a mouth. And thou shalt be to him instead of a God, instead of God. And thou shalt take this rod in thine hand, wherewith thou shalt do signs. And so he, he protests and he says, Lord, you got the wrong guy. Just send somebody else. And again, God's not having any of it. And God says to Moses, in essence, Moses, i got a job for you to do. I want you to go. I don't want to hear the excuses. So finally, Moses gets the message. And he realizes that God's not going to accept his excuses. And so he begins to make preparations to move and go and do what God has instructed him to do. And when you get to chapter 5, in verse number 1, we find Moses before Pharaoh, he and Aaron. And he's doing what God had instructed him to do. Verse number one, and afterwards Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. So finally, after offering the, the, uh, the excuses and protest and, and not getting, getting his way and realizing that uh, God was serious about what he wanted him to do, he finally went. And so now here he is, and he's, he's doing what God told him to do. He's standing before Pharaoh. And he gives him the message, let my people go. Well, how'd that work out? Well, if you read the rest of the chapter, it didn't work out too good. 
Pharaoh got pretty upset about that. Pretty upset. And he made life even more difficult for the Hebrews. Making them maintain their quota of brick making without giving them straw. They were going to have to find their own straw now. And they were getting beaten because they weren't meeting their quota because they couldn't find the straw. And it got really bad. And notice the response of Moses. Now Moses finally did. He kept making excuses saying, God, I can't do this. And I can't do it for this reason. I can't do it for this reason. And you just need to somebody else, give somebody else. And finally he goes. And what happens? It doesn't go very well. And then verse number 22 of chapter 5 Moses is speaking to the Lord, and Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Lord, wherefore hast thou so evil entreated this people? Why is it that thou hast sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in thy name, he hath done evil to this people, neither hast thou delivered thy people at all. You know what Moses was saying? I told you it wouldn't work. I told you I couldn't do this. I told you you had the wrong guy. But God wasn't accepting any of that either. And God kept giving him instruction. God kept saying, go. And he said, I want you to go uh, talk to the Israelites and give them some more instruction. Well, he went and talked to them, and they didn't respond very well. They wouldn't listen to what he had to say. And then God said, I want you to go back to, to Pharaoh now and give him some more information. And in verse number 12 of chapter 6, notice what Moses says. And Moses spake before the Lord, saying, Behold, the children of Israel have not hearkened unto me. How then shall Pharaoh hear me, who am, of who, have, who am of uncircumcised lips? In other words, he's saying, Lord, your people won't listen to me now. I went to them like you said. I went to Pharaoh first, and it got real bad. It got worse. And then you told me to go to give a message to the, to the Israelites. I did that. They didn't listen to me. And now you're telling me to go to Pharaoh? Lord, if they're not going to listen... If, if they're not going to listen, uh, if the children of Israel aren't going to listen to me, then Pharaoh's not, certainly not going to listen to me. Lord, this is not going to work. I tried to tell you, you got the wrong guy. I can't do this. Boy, I tell you, Moses, he, he finally thought that he, he you know, was justified in the excuses he had offered. He thought he was off the hook. You know, we're done now. It's over. But God wasn't done. God still had work for Moses to do. God's message to Moses was continually, go, 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 keep going. What happened? We know the rest of the story, don't we? We know that Moses finally did uh, see some, uh, some, some good things happening. We see that uh, Moses went before Pharaoh on several occasions. And uh, through God, those plagues came upon the land. And ultimately, uh, Pharaoh... Uh, was glad to see the children of Israel go when all the firstborn in Egypt died. He was glad to see them go. And God accomplished what he wanted to accomplish. You see, God had a plan the whole time. Moses had no idea what God was up to. But I want us to be reminded tonight that God is omniscient. That means God is all-knowing. He knows everything, past, present, and future. God is sovereign. That means he's in control of everything. God, who knows everything, God, who is sovereign, had a plan that he was working out. He had something that he wanted to accomplish. And that plan was to deliver the nation Israel out of Egyptian bondage. And God chose this man, Moses, to be the human instrument that he would use to lead his people out. 
And Moses offered all those excuses because he was scared and he just didn't want to do it. But finally, he did it and God used him and God was able to accomplish what he wanted to accomplish. Now, what does that have to do with us? In the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, we have what we know as the Great Commission. In Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, the Bible says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Now, Moses offered excuses. What was God's response? I will be with thee. He kept offering excuses. God said, I will be with thy mouth. I will be with Aaron's mouth. God said, I will be with you. Moses, just go. Moses, just do what I'm telling you to do so that I, I can accomplish through you what I want to accomplish. God has given us a mission today as Christians. Uh, this this uh, commission that God gave in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, that was to his disciples. If you're here tonight and you know Jesus Christ as Savior, you are one of his disciples. This message is to you. This message is to me. God says to us, like he said to Moses, go. Go. Go and spread the gospel. Go. Win people to Christ. Baptize them. Teach them. That's the Great Commission. God wants every one of His disciples to be involved in the Great Commission. No one is excluded. If you are a Christian, if you're a disciple of Christ, God expects you and me to be involved in the Great Commission. He expects us to be involved in getting the gospel out to a lost and dying world. But what are we so prone to do? Just like Moses, we offer excuses, don't we? We offer excuses. We offer some, sometimes we use some of the same excuses that Moses used. Lord, uh, I'm just not good talking to people. You know, preacher, I would love to, I would like to go out and talk. I know I'm supposed to do that, but I, I just have a hard time talking to people. Guess what? God is with you. God will be with your mouth. Just like God was with Moses, just like God was with the mouth of Moses and God was with the mouth of Aaron, God will be with you. God's, God's message to you and to me as believers is just to go. Uh, uh, some Christians say, well, I don't know the Bible real well and, you know, I, I, I don't know if I can give people the right answers, you know, if they have questions about the Bible. Guess what? You don't have to give the right answers. <laughs> I'll tell you how to, how to uh, over, overcome that. If you're trying to tell someone, share the gospel with someone, and they ask you a, a great, deep theological question, uh, here's what you say. Hey, that's a good question. Let me ask the preacher about that. And if you'll remind me, uh, I'll, uh, I'll talk to him about it and try to get the answer for you. And you just keep sharing the gospel. Um, there's a lot of different excuses we, we use. And, 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 and some of us kind of just kind of wash our hands of it all like Moses did. And we say, listen, I, I, I'm just not cut out for this. I, God, you've got to use somebody else. Well, God, God doesn't plan to use anybody else. His plan is to use you. Amen. That's his plan. Now, what if Moses had not obeyed God? What if Moses had not gone? 
You see, that was a very important plan that God had because that began uh, God's work with His people and bringing the Messiah into the world. Uh, through it all, God was at work to fulfill the ultimate goal of bringing Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, into the world so that the sins of humanity could be forgiven. And it was very important for Moses to do what God had sent him to do. It was very important for him to go as God instructed him to go. And, and it's just as important for you and me today as Christians. God wants us to go. He doesn't want us to offer excuses. He just wants us to go. And I want to challenge us tonight as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ just to go, to be faithful witnesses for him. God wants us to, to be witnesses for him, sharing the gospel uh, by our lips, talking to people, sharing Christ with them. He wants us to be a witness to people, share the gospel by our lifestyle. We should live holy lives that are different before people. That should spark conversations. We should live so before people that they say, hey, why is it that you live that way? You're not like everybody else. That's an opportunity for us to say, hey, well, I'm glad you asked. Can I tell you about Jesus, the Son of God? But we can also share the gospel with people through literature. And this is really what I want to zero in on tonight. Gospel tracts. I've been uh, talking to our young people on Wednesday nights about uh, being witnesses by just passing out literature. Now, especially teenagers, they're a, little, they're a little more nervous about talking to people and that sort of thing. They can still live a holy life, but a little more nervous about talking to people. But I want our teenagers to know that they can give out gospel tracts. There's no excuse for not giving out a gospel tract. That is the easiest way to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with someone. And every one of us in this room tonight can do that. Now, Brother Larry Cox just made a new track rack, track rack out here in the hallway. As you go out, you'll see it. And he just about cut his thumb off trying, trying to get that thing right. What's that? Oh, you made two of them. That's right. He made another one back here. I forgot about that. And so uh, he made a great sacrifice. I mean, he, he made a blood sacrifice uh, to make those track racks. And they're full of tracks. And they're right there as you're going out the door. Every one of us, every, every service when we leave this building, we should grab two or three of those tracks and put them in our pocket. Ladies, put them in your pocket. But keep, find out where you can keep them on your, on your person. Everywhere you go, you should be giving out gospel tracts. Now, this is a habit of mine, and you know, I just got in the habit years ago. Uh, anytime I make a, a financial transaction, uh, if I buy a cheeseburger and money goes in the window, a track goes in the window with it. Uh, if I'm at Walmart and I make a transaction, when I, when I give them money, uh, a, a gospel track from Faith Baptist Church goes in there with it. And so it's just, it's just a simple thing. And here's what you do. Here's what you do. When you give them the money, here's how hard this is. Uh, here's, here's the money. And by the way, here's something from our church for you. Hope you come visit us sometime. That's not hard. I mean, that's the easiest thing in the world to do. It's so easy to give people gospel tracts. You know, you're standing in line. The line is long. And somebody's behind you. And you hear them talking, you know, and they're tired of waiting in line. And then you turn around looking, hey, boy, it's taking a while, isn't it? And you, and you start a conversation. 
And you make small talk a little bit. And then you say, oh, by the way, hey, do you go to church anywhere? Here, let me give you one of these. I'm from Faith Baptist Church and hope you come visit us sometime. How hard is that? It's so, listen, it is the easiest thing to do. But we don't do it. Why not? Now listen, if you're nervous about talking to people, now, now all of us can, can live holy lives, amen? We can live holy lives before people to, to start, you know, to whet their appetite for, for the gospel. Some of us may be a little more nervous about talking to people, but there's no excuse for anyone. There's no excuse for any Christian not being willing to give out a gospel tract. No excuse. It's the easiest thing to do. And I want to challenge you. Get in the habit. In case you haven't noticed, the world's not getting any better. And people are not going to get right with God if they don't hear the gospel. And when you, pass, when you give someone one of these little gospel tracts, you're giving them the gospel. You're giving them a little stick of dynamite. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. You give them that gospel track. They read it. They, they take in that gospel dynamite. And if they choose to believe it, they exercise faith. And they say, God, I believe this. I agree with you. I accept Jesus as my Savior immediately. That ignites that dynamite, amen, of the gospel. But it doesn't destroy. It builds up and it gives that person eternal life. Amen. So when you give out a gospel tract, you're giving out little sticks of dynamite. And it's up to the person that reads it to light the fuse. If they read it and they choose to believe, they're lighting the fuse and good things are going to happen. You see, the Bible says in Romans chapter 10 and verse number 17, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You see, this takes the pressure off of you and me. Now, we should get to the point where we're able to talk to people and share with them the plan of salvation. We should learn the plan of salvation. All of us should be able to tell someone what happened to us, how we got saved. Amen? We should all be able to get to the point where we're able to do that. But listen, all of us can give out gospel tracts, and it takes the pressure off of us because we don't have to say anything. All we have to do is give them that little stick of dynamite. And God does the work. That's the way it works, whether you uh, witness to them with your lips or with your lifestyle or with a track. God does the work. When they receive the message, when they hear the gospel message, they can never unhear it. God at that point begins to work on that person's heart. And the conviction begins. And if that person chooses to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not because of your eloquence of speech. It's not because of your great, vast knowledge of the Holy Scriptures. It's not because of your great intellect. If you witness to someone by life or by lifestyle or by literature and they get right with God, it's not because of anything you've done. It's because the Holy Spirit of God convicted them of their sin and gave them the faith to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ Amen. and be saved. And every one of us can do that. Now, I'm, I'm giving our teenagers, I'm putting the pressure on our teenagers to do this. And uh, some of them took some. Now, did y'all pass them out this week? 
I'm not getting much response over there. Okay? I kind of didn't mean to put you on the spot. But I mean, really, I did. But, uh, but this is something so simple. All of us can do this. All of us can do this. And our community needs it. Our state needs it. Our country needs it. The world needs it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Read all about it. Good news. God loves you. Here it is. We're just supposed to be mailmen. If you're a woman, a male woman. Okay? We're just supposed to deliver the mail. That's, all, that's our responsibility. Now, i got to hurry because we're running out of time here. Um, what do you do when someone doesn't take your track? Uh, I was at the parade with my family the other night, and uh, I took about 50 tracks with me. And uh, once my family got situated, I said, I'll be right back. And uh, I started, and they're all lined up down the street there, you know, right side by side, getting everything set up. And so I just acted like I was part of the parade. I started to walk, I had to try to go straight ahead. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And they're all smiling. Oh, thank you, thank you. And I'm talking, oh, those twins. Yeah, yeah, oh, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. And I gave it about 50 tracks in five minutes. And I had one guy. I offered it to him, and he goes, you know what I did? I started crying. I said, Lord, I can't do this. <laughs> no, I didn't do that. I just smiled. I said, okay, I kept going. Because, you see, if he doesn't, if he doesn't accept it, that's not going to stop me from doing what my Heavenly Father has instructed me to do. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep giving out gospel tracts. I'm going to keep living a holy life with, with God's help. I'm going to keep uh, witnessing to people with my lips. I'm just going to keep going because God is with me. I'm not eloquent of speech, as, as Moses said. He wasn't. Uh, Brother Larry Cox and I were talking about that earlier. He, he's, not he's not eloquent of speech. I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I'm not the, you know, the, the most qualified person. But you know what? I can give out a gospel track. What is your excuse? Guess what? You don't have one. You don't have one. You know what? You know what the real problem is? We're just lazy. We're just lazy. And I'm telling you something. If you're too lazy to reach your little arm up and get three gospel tracks out of the rack and put them in your pocket and then give them out to somebody when you buy a cheeseburger at McDonald's, that's pretty lazy. Amen. It's not hard. God made it so easy. All we got to do is give it out. We don't have to save them. All we do is we give them the message, and then God takes care of the rest. And it's amazing. Once you give somebody one of these little gospel tracts, you just have no idea where that little gospel tract is going to end up at. Because it comes out of their pocket in the car. It may go up on the dash. Somebody else gets in the car, they pick it up, they look at it, they're reading it, they get saved. Or they throw it out the window. And somebody walking down the road one day, they pick it up on the side of the road and they read it. And they get saved. There's, I mean, they can end up on an airplane going somewhere. These little things travel all over the place. This is, this is such an incredible way of sharing the gospel. 
And I want to challenge this tonight. Don't make excuses. Don't make excuses for not going as our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has instructed us to go. He says, go ye therefore. Let's go with the gospel. Let's give it out with our lifestyle. Let's give it out with our lips. And listen, all of us, we must, we must, we must give it out through literature. This is so easy. You know, you, by the way, you paid for these. You know, you paid for these to be made. You're, you're invested in this. And so let's just start giving them out. Amen. And don't just throw them somewhere. I mean, give them to people, you know, that will have the opportunity to read them. And you'll be amazed at what God can do. Only God knows the number of people that have been reached for Christ through a simple gospel tract. And you know, Brother Warren, Morrow, Miss Rachel are not here tonight. They've been going through some uh, physical challenges. But I'm going to tell you what, that precious couple, they're such a blessing. Uh, they're all about passing out gospel tracts. I mean, they go to places, they go to parking lots, they go to businesses, and, and they, they're just, they just give out gospel tracts. And listen, God wants us to be involved in that. God wants us to be actively involved in going and giving out the gospel. Let's go and let's give out the gospel literature. Would you bow your heads with me, please, and close your eyes, and we're going to stand to our feet, and we're going to have a time of invitation. God has been so good to us. I'm so glad that God loved me and God saved me. I'm so thankful that God sent two soul winners to my house to share the gospel with me, with their lips. All of us can share the gospel with our lifestyle. And all of us can share the gospel with literature. I don't know how God has spoken to your heart tonight, but God, if, if God has spoken to you about something and you sense the need to come and pray, we want to pause for just a little while during this time of invitation. As she begins to play on the piano this evening, God has spoken to you, you need to come and pray. We invite.